Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Okay, welcome into another episode of the 4-4 on the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network. Hope everybody had a good holiday weekend. I am Matthew Gill, joined as always by Xavier Dotson and David Buckler. Today, guys, we're going to be looking at the Grizzlies' road struggles, the winners and losers of Christmas Day across the league, and a couple New Year's resolutions as well. But we got to start here, guys. Xavier, you were psyched up for this game uh, on the last episode, and Grizzlies kind of laid a dud. What did you think coming out of the uh, Golden State game on Christmas Day? Man, it, it, I'm just going to go ahead and say it, man. It was just flat out embarrassing. <laughs> I don't know. There's no way to sugarcoat it. There's no way to to beat around the bush. It was flat out embarrassing. Um, I think they literally got caught with their pants down right there. You had no Stephen Curry. You had no Wiggins. They had two G Leaguers out there, man. Lamb and Todd Jerome, and they played some big, big minutes. <laughs> And you had John Moran as your star. He was ready to go to war, but nobody else was ready to go to war besides him. And so when you have that, of course, you're not going to win. And we're in the bright, bright lights of Christmas, Christmas night. Everybody, the whole world is looking at you and you perform like this. Yeah, it's a stinger. Um, and I really feel like it, it took an effect on them because you look at their faces. You could tell that they was bothered. This was not a team. They, they weren't their typical self. I feel like they got humbled big time, but I still feel like they have a camaraderie and they're going to overcome this. This is, this is, I feel like they really needed this because I feel like this is going to rejuvenate them. They're going to make a stand now and they understand like, okay, maybe we, we should take a scale back and then we need to learn what we did wrong. And then let's go ahead and strategize for what we can do in the future so we can avoid an embarrassment like this ever again. Yeah, I think it was definitely embarrassing for sure. It was a tough look, um, especially after all the talk that's gone back and forth. And I'm with you. You nailed it. Ja was great. Uh, but you look around and he just didn't have any help, in my opinion, especially on the offensive side. Uh, Dave, does this loss mean anything more to you or is this just another one in a long 82-game season? That is the, the the big thing. That's a great question because people are kicking that around saying, well, come on, it's one game of the regular season. But that's not at all how we talked about it. It's not at all how the players talked about it. This game was circled. People were, well, if we're just healthy by Christmas or it's going to be so exciting to play on Christmas and to come out with that effort. I, you know, I don't want to hear about what well, we're finally healthy. They didn't play with any fire or any passion and I felt like it was a real truth serum. If we're being honest, let's just be honest. The way this team is currently constructed, we're not winning four rounds in April and May. There's going to be too much pressure on John Moran to have to drag this team to the finals, that he's going to be exhausted by round two, unless we get consistent help. And they said, well, Bain's just coming back and Jaron. And it's just one excuse after another, because I saw, remember last time we talked about what's hot and what's not with the Grizzlies, and I said the maturity is still a concern. I, I, I was not at all pleased with Jaron's fouling again. Brooks is talking and wolfing it up all the time, and we come out and play like that. Extremely disappointing. By the way, you talk about like the NBA world watching. I felt like I told all my friends, hey, it's just so exciting. We're playing on Christmas. And, you know, if you live outside Memphis, you come away from that thinking, yeah, they're just an average team. That's not an NBA finals team. You know, John Moran is an all NBA player and the rest of us looked 
pre- pretty average, I think. Nothing stood out special on that team that makes you think, oh, my God, they're going to get this together. I'll tell you. But I think it's a true serum to me anyway. This team's not winning four rounds in April and May. We're going to make the playoffs. We're a good team. There's no question. But if you come out of that game thing, and this was just one out of a regular season game, and we circled it, all of us, the team talked about it. Bain said we owe them four. Uh, no. And they come out and they think you, you saw the heart of a champion yesterday, a team that played without their best player and still looked pretty formidable. I put them in our college football playoff rankings, Matt, a couple times, and I still fear Golden State when the playoffs come around because they know how to win. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think the maturity thing definitely plays into it that you've talked about a, a lot on the show. I wonder how much they kind of got too wrapped up in the emotion of the game, and maybe that took away from them, especially early. Uh, that first quarter, they just came out looking like they weren't ready to play at all. They were ready to to, to fight more than play a basketball game, it seemed like. Uh, and Xavier, I wanted to touch on one other thing with you before we move on to our first segment. You've talked a lot about how NBA refs across the league have been more sensitive. Do you think that was part of the case with all the technical fouls we saw, or do you think it was something else last night? I mean, you look at those texts that was given, they was all given to Golden State, and they didn't even really do anything for us. And you would think that would give us energy, especially when they ejected pool. I'm like, okay, maybe this can be the last dance. But I do feel like that was a poor officiated game. Um, a lot of those calls, man, they give Draymond Green so much leeway <laughs> They do. They give him so much leeway. And you have a Christmas game. You do not eject your fan, your number one player like Jordan Poole, the way that he was cooking. I, you're just being brutally honest. I mean, I'm not a Warriors fan, but there's no way that you eject Jordan Poole. It's a lot of these referees starting to really take control of this game. I believe the Warriors had six technical fouls at the end of the, at the, end of the game. And I know the Grizzlies were, was asserted one at the end because of delay of game issues. But I really do feel like that the referees, they the league got to come together and talk to all the referees. Like, we cannot really just be controlling the game with our emotions. And don't get me wrong, it is a lot of players that have slick comments to the referees, and they are truly deserving of it. But I feel like it's just these are professional basketball players that's competitive. Your emo- Their emotions are going to be bounded to the game. A bad call, yes, they're going to get mad. It, uh, the, yes, they're going to have some type of small words or gestures. At the end of the day, you got to toughen it up. I mean, I did a little refereeing back at um, back in college during intramurals, and trust me, I'm playing with uh, former athletes. They used to want to play ball. They still think they got high school dreams and whatnot. And I, when I may used to make questionable calls, sometimes they had little words for me. And you got to pick and choose. Like, okay. Do I need to go ahead and take this? Is this a escalator for me to go ahead and give him a tick or eject him? Or is he or is he just a competitive basketball player? So I feel like the referees have been too, too big on on these big calls of ejecting and taking taking up players so quickly. But let, let me let me ask uh, ask you, Xavier. So they knew that, though, midway through the first half, that the officiating was a little shaky. Jaron got a sir. He comes right out in the second half and gets his fourth foul like 10 seconds in the like. That's not high basketball IQ, you know? And, and so when I say that this game with true serum, I have three points I want you guys to push back on. We are not a good enough three point shooting team to win an NBA title. They were four for 25. Our starters We're four for 25. We're a below average free throw shooting team, which always costs you in playoff games. And our bench has a shocking lack of athleticism. They're nice players. At one point, it was 80 to 77, and we're climbing back in a game. And Jaws on the court with Zaire Williams, John Conchar, Brandon Clark, and Santi Aldama. It's not good enough. Those are nice players. That's not a good enough bench unit to surround Jaw with at a time and a big moment in the game. So I ask you guys, what's going to change between now and April other than, well, you know, we need health and all this stuff we keep hearing about. We're not healthy. And I, I mean – those three things, I don't see improving. I mean, I, like I said, I still feel like they're going to stick with this team no matter what. I don't see a trade happening. I know what you say about shooters, that they should trade for a shooter, you know, like Jordan Clarkson or maybe a Kyle Kuzma or, or even well, somebody DiVincenzo, like – DiVincenzo for Golden State at 19 points yesterday. Yeah, no one yeah, on bench take, is going to score 19 points lighting it up from three-point range. No one. I, yeah, Dante DiVincenzo. But you really think about it like a lot of those a lot of the times when you look at those teams and players that are just truly strictly three point shooters of 
in the past of J.J. Redick or Kyle Corver. Yeah, they're great three-point shooters. They're great three-point shooters. But during the playoffs, they sort of become non-effective. Um, a lot of you look at J.J. Redick's stats during the playoffs. They're not – it's not huge. It's not tremendous because teams are really able to dial in. He'll have a good first of two games, but when you make those adjustments, it's at the end of the game – at the end of the day, the playoffs is a seven-game series. You can make those adjustments because, I mean, you're going to learn your team. You're going to learn them in, in and out. And then I want to talk about the Jaren Jaren Jackson situation with the fouling. The, it, it is immaturity big time because people are looking at the scouting report like, man, we know we can get you in foul trouble easily. For one, you want to make every defensive play on the end. You want to do the blocks. He wants to big, make the big blocks. He want to make the big plays. You're not going to be able to do that every single time, Jaren. It's realistic. That's what makes great defensive players great because they know that they can't what they can't contest and what they can't. And as well, like I said, with the scouting report, they know what you, you like to put the ball on the floor and go to the paint. That's the easy bait for a charge right there. You gotta know that mentally in your head right now. And it's you're you're in year five. It's really it's it's, it's time out for all that. Like we can't continue bragging with the excuses. But I still feel like he's still too valuable for the team for us to just give up on him because. Like I, like before, prior before he came this season, we was a bottom in defensively. Now we're top ten, but we just need him to stay on the court. Yeah, definitely. I think um, you mentioned JJ Redick and Jaron and the fouling, and I just watched a clip. He was talking about on his podcast today. JJ was that Jaron and Dylan Brooks are their two best defenders. Jaron at the rim and and Dylan on the perimeter, and that leads to foul trouble uh, when Dylan is guarding the opposing team's best perimeter player and Jaron trying to defend everything at the rim. My pushback would be just what Xavier said. They've been so good since his return. Like you have to let him um, to attempt to, to try and contest everything at the rim. That is what he is great at, but he has to get smarter about it. I'm going to talk about it a little bit um, later in the show as well. And and I, I, I wonder um, if we will ever see him kind of figure it out what he can and can't do to stay in and out of foul trouble or how to play better when he does have fouls. Um, and as far as the bench unit goes, Dave, that you were talking about, yeah, it's not a bench unit that's been built to score from outside. Maybe Danny Green fixes that when he comes back. Maybe not. Maybe Zaire uh, getting in the flow a little bit later in the season helps that maybe not, but this team is really built to score in the paint. They're the best scoring team in the paint in the league. And I think that they've really just built in all in on that. That is, a, that is something that goes back to coach uh, Budenholzer who Taylor Jenkins really learned a lot from. He is, he has a huge emphasis on scoring in the paint and that's what these Grizzlies are built to do. And I think maybe that's where we see a shakeup going for further, uh, you know, in future seasons as they try to capitalize on this John Morant window is to build a team similar to like the LeBron teams that have been so great, where it is just surrounded by shooters um, and and him attacking in the pick and roll. So I I think there's a lot to still learn, and there's still a lot of young guys coming off that bench too. Um, And as you've talked about a lot, Dave, we're going to talk about the road struggles of the Grizzlies now. One of the main things that we've pointed out is that role players struggle on the road, right? And I think that we've seen that over this – recent road stretch where they go one and three and their only win comes against Phoenix with no Devin Booker uh, losses to Golden State with no Steph or Wiggins. we got to remember that as well from the mm-hmm. Christmas Day game loss at OKC with no SGA, no Giddy and a loss at Denver with no Jamal Murray and no Michael Porter Jr. Something that you've been big on this season has been that the Grizzlies have to have uh, a home uh, they have to have home court advantage in the playoffs, and I believe that now more than o- ever coming off of these four games. Do you still feel the same about that, feel more strongly or less strongly now that we have seen them uh, on the back end of this road stretch? Well, I feel more strongly about it, Matt, because if if I told you we're going to open up against the Clippers and then we got the Warriors in round two and Denver in round three, and then we're going to play Milwaukee, and if I, you, you, this team's not being those those teams. Again, we're not this team in the way it constructed is not winning four rounds in the playoffs. Because the the pressure on John Morant to be fantastic every game is simply too great. It's just too much. I really like Bain and I like Jaron and I like I like we love all the guys. It's not that, but there's got to be some guys on this team that step up when the lights are the brightest. And I felt like Dylan regressed. And I even interviewed him at halftime, which was kind of funny. And he's like, I got to just go play smarter. And he was awful in the second half, mm-hmm. you know, and got taunted at half court. And there was part of me was kind of like, you know, the Warriors kind of earned it. Like, they've heard nothing but the Grizzlies chirping in their ear. Like, yeah, 
they're, they're champions for a reason. And so I am, I'm actually more concerned about it because I think, I think we're sleeping on a few of these teams on the West. We're going to get to winners and losers later. There's a couple teams in the West, I think, that are rounding into shape. I don't think it's any guarantee that Memphis is the first, second, or third, or fourth seed in the West. And it's big trouble if, if we have to be in the playing tournament or even come in at a five or six seed. I, I don't think we have any chance to run the table without a couple home series. Yeah, I'm definitely with you. And I looked at some of the stats. Memphis 7-10 and 10 on the road overall this season. 3-5 and five on the road against West teams with a winning record. That's who you're going to be playing in the playoffs. Those are the environments Oof. you're going to have Oof. to go. And that doesn't even include Golden State because they don't have a winning record right now. I'm super concerned about it. Xavier, I wonder, uh, do you feel any differently about it? Do you um, have faith in these guys to catch a couple wins on the road if they have to go into right now? It would be either Denver or New Orleans that had a home court advantage against them. Where do you kind of see them stacking up against those two teams in particular in the playoffs? I feel like they can make a blow. I feel like they can shake something up. I'm not too, too concerned. But, I mean, even going back, they've always been – I mean, it's a different situation now. We we are now getting being hunted. They used to do the hunt, do the hunting. Going back to the 2021 season, they didn't anticipate for them to make the play in or win the play in against the Warriors, and they did. Going back to I'm sorry, the 20 that was the, the yeah, the 2021 series when they played with the Warriors, and then yeah, they made the play in. Then after that, they played against the Jazz. Nobody that first game, nobody anticipated that the uh, Grizzlies would, would even get a win off against the Jazz. They did. Now, I'm not saying that they will win the whole series, but I know I feel like some of them games, they should be able to sneak a game or two. But I do feel like we need to have that home court advantage. It's just a lot bigger and things are much safer here during the grindhouse. But what makes an elite team an elite team is that you're going to be at, you're going to have to win on the road. You're going to have to face those tough crowds out there, especially in Denver especially in the Pelicans, the Clippers, it is. It's the wild, wild west. You made the comment saying that – John Moran made the comment saying that he doesn't fear, fear anyone in the west. So you got to talk it. You got to back it up, man. And so I feel like they're eating their own words right now, and I feel like they're getting humble and everything is coming down to earth. But I'm not too concerned, though. Like, I feel like John Moran is just a miraculous leader. And I think now – I feel like Danny Green is about to take a big point of this team because he's near to a, a comeback coming to the team, and we need that veteranship there because these guys, they really feel – they. I feel like they're just too on cloud nine right now. They're, they're Them feeling like they're so great. They haven't achieved anything yet. Danny Green, he, he knows what it takes to be a winner. He knows what it takes to, to, to get to the, the finish line. And I think since he's about to be out there on the court now, I don't know if we're going to keep him or not. Hopefully we do, because I, I feel like we need to have a vet, a strong veteran, especially Danny Green. Hopefully he's vocal out there on the court and let them guys know, like, yo, it's time out for all this. It, it really is. It's time for us. You want to be serious contenders. This is what it's going to have to take, because C.J. McCollum got those boys over there and over there in the Pelicans in a strict fashion line. And their guys, they're playing some great basketball right now. I felt like that was a great acquisition right there. And he's basically telling them this is how you win. And this is this is what's going to take us to get there to me to get there at the next level. So I need Danny Green to step in and be that vocal leader for this team. I'm with you, and I think we've all said it on this show a, a bunch of different times. I know I've been guilty of saying it as well, is that Danny Green's going to help them. I just wonder, like, how much is it going to change after he's on the floor? It's not like he's hanging out in L.A. Like, he's on the bench now, I, I, and we haven't really seen any kind of bump, any Danny Green bump yet. I'm also getting a little bit tired of seeing him on every broadcast now. Like, he jumps on with the commentators for a quarter, every second quarter, like trying to do, I guess, like a J.J. Redick, Draymond thing, being a player and doing media as well. That's getting a little old for me. I'm going to have to see it to believe it at this point. I'm with you. I think that he can help, but I just wonder why it hasn't happened yet. He has the opportunity to do it from the bench. Maybe these guys are just waiting until they see what he can do on the floor before they really buy into it, or maybe he's just not comfortable uh, being a vocal leader yet until he is contributing to the team. But uh, I am with you. It's a really great point that you bring up the Jazz series. That game, nobody gave them a chance at all, and Utah's a really, really tough road environment to get a win. Uh, and so that is a little bit of a positive. You're right. And they have guys that are built with built for it. Dylan Brooks was great in that jazz game. Uh, John Morant, obviously not scared to play anywhere, anytime against anybody. So they have guys that have the right mentality for it. And when I look at the two teams in front of them, 
you mentioned New Orleans. New Orleans, that's not a tough place to play. Like that, that their home crowd is not anything compared to Memphis, Golden State, even Denver. Denver concerns me a little bit. We saw how bad they looked in that Nuggets game. Uh, maybe it's a little bit different when you're playing in a playoff series because you can get acclimated to the altitude so much easier. But Denver's not, a, not an easy place to win at all. Phoenix, pretty good uh, home environment as well. So I am concerned um, a little bit. And, and Dave, I've really turned a corner with you on that, that they're, they're going to need as high a seed as possible. Um, whereas coming into the season, I was like, just get into the dance and have everybody healthy. But now I'm kind of with you. And it's it goes back to what you're saying with the bench. May, this team may just have like too many role players. Role players don't play as well on the road as you said before. And I wonder if you think the same thing. If they're just they they just have too many guys, too many role players they're relying on, and that's when they get exposed on the road. Would you agree? I completely agree. And, and I thought it was a really interesting moment the other night uh, in the Phoenix game when uh, David Roddy came in and 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 played kind of his ass off. And, you know, I was like, look, I'm kind of tired of sitting on the bench. And he came in at the big dunk right down the middle of the lane, got people excited. And I juxtaposed that to De Laravia, who came in and was completely forgettable. He just floated around. But, you know, until when they just, and, you know, Roddy was the one guy in that game that came up. There's like, and, and I noticed interesting, he didn't play at all at, on Christmas, right? And I'm looking at the, at the box score thing. So Zaire and Conchar played 35 minutes and scored three points in total. I don't care how much you love Conchar. I think the sneaker deal is probably out the window, <laughs> but like, I, I like the, I really like these guys, but maybe Roddy needs to be inserted in there. And he played with a little fire and a little pissed off. I thought he looked like of kind of being bumped down now that some of these guys have come back healthy, but I, I don't see the microwave guy on this team that can come in when Bane shots, not dropping when Dylan Brooks is playing a little kooky. When we, when, when we just aren't, you know, John, John was great yesterday. He was really great, but he can't do it alone. And sometimes, I mean, like I said, DiVincenzo for Golden State at 19 points. And they had a couple guys on that team that shot the ball. I mean, Jordan put 32 points. And where would you put him on the list of Golden State's best players? Third, fourth, fifth? Yep. Who on our team gets 32 points in any game outside of Ja and Bain and once in a blue moon, Jaron? No one. I'm totally with you. Um, the David Roddy thing is exactly why I suggested to you guys, let's talk about the rotations in our Slack. You brought it up, so let's just do that now. Let me just start with this. Xavier, what do you think, looking at this team, what do you think the ideal number for the playoff rotation is going to be? Knowing Taylor Jenkins and based off him within the past four, four to five seasons is going to be a 10-man rotation. Maybe it's going to spread even then to nine to eight, eight to nine, because you got to have his trustworthy players. And it's funny that you mentioned David Roddy, because I do feel like he's, pissed now that he's back he's out the rotation now that bangs back and you look at john Conchart past few games he's not been providing anything he's shooting like awful and i mean he's had a great season so far because he stepped up starting but here he goes doing the big lights we had the same thing you, you think about it john Conchart, we think about it last season melton played some great ball for us during games that sort of was meaningless but here we go. Now this is the big lights on us. Melton didn't show up for us during the playoffs. Look at John Conchart now. He plays great during them, you know, those regular season games. Sometimes, you know, the Knicks, uh, the Thunder and all like that. We need we 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 needed some big shots. If, if John Conchart would have made a few good threes for his last night, man, it would be a different story on Twitter right now about should we be exchanging John Conchart, John Conchart minutes for David Roddy? Because David Roddy. Like he was playing some great basketball before Bain came back. He was really starting to get that groove, basically like how Zaire did last year. And I think now, like with Taylor Jenkins, especially those big games, I know that he runs those ten man rotations. But you got to throw David Roddy into the mix now. You might have to expand that to eleven, and then see. Okay, is he playing better than John Cunchart or even Zaire Williams? I'm still give. I'm still gonna give a little hope for Zaire because I'm I'm real big on like those injuries. It, we just got blessed with Jaron Jackson coming back great. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. 
most of those players don't don't come back uh, acclimated quick quickly enough. But we need to look into, into seeing these minutes for David Roddy because he was playing some great basketball, being a great defender and scoring. The three point shot was falling, and then now we see he was emphasizing, okay, I want to go inside the paint. I'm sh- I'm about to show Taylor Jenkins why he should be playing. So I, that's what I'm looking forward to now. Hopefully, we can see if David Roddy can get us some strong minutes and and possibly be a, a, a big rotational guy for us down the future. Yeah, I think so. Um, Dave, I'll ask you a similar question. Just as a larger philosophy, do you prefer a deeper rotation or a shorter rotation come playoff time? The playoff time, it's always shorter. It just is. You got to have job playing more minutes. You got to have your best players on the court. But in the rotation question, I was really thinking about this today. What would you guys think? You know, we always talk about Tyus Jones as the best backup point guard in the NBA. I think it's time for him to start. I would start Tyus and John in the backcourt. I would start Bain at the three, Jared at the four, and Stephen Adams at the five. I would bring Brooks off the bench, maybe in that Westbrook kind of role. I think I think Jaws got too much grind on him every game to bring the ball up, to get the offense set, and we rely on him. And if you watch, first of all, he was two for ten yesterday from three again. Like, and our three-point shooting was just horrendous. But he drives to the basket and tries to, like, go over the top of so many guys. He had the one spectacular one that he missed. But he, he gets knocked around a lot. And I'm just really worried about the miles on his tires. And I wouldn't mind Tyus bringing the ball up, getting set into the offense. Tyus has a nice job. I think that Kennedy Chandler's proven he can handle the second unit point guard, perhaps. And bring Brooks off the bench. Let him calm down a little bit. Come in, shoot some threes. and send a, I, I'm... We're going to get to winners and losers on Christmas, and I'm just giving you a little preview. I think Dylan Brooks' extension was a big loser on Christmas. Yeah, um, I'm with you. I like Tyus a lot. I love the minutes where him and Ja are on the floor together. We saw it yesterday, and late, right. in, that third, late in that third quarter, Ja was gassed, bro. You saw him in the corner, hands on his knees, like totally gassed because he's just going to the basket over and over and over again, and the only break he was getting was Tyus bringing the ball up the floor. So I think it's super valuable. But Dylan Brooks' defensive um, ability is just much higher than it would be if you slide Desmond Bain into that role. It, it, okay, I know so so let, let's, let's talk about that. It's a really interesting topic, right? Breaking off of the segments, whatever. All we ever hear is how great De- uh, Dylan Brooks' defense is. The, the, the Warriors scored 123 points yesterday. They got every shot they wanted. I'm, I'm, i got to be honest, guys. Like I'm in a little salty mood tonight because I didn't really like the game yesterday. I'm just kind of tired of Dylan Brooks' defense. You know, I feel it's a little bit like, well, you know, Brooks is deep. He was terrible yesterday. And 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 it was kind of – it was the whole team was terrible. They got 123 points. This is not Dennis Rodman. He's not Scottie Pippen. He plays with this bravado that sometimes it's like the ones who scream the loudest have nothing to say. Calm down, Dylan. Enough with the technicals. Enough the whooping every time you make a two-point shot. I'm just a little tired of like the defense of Dylan Brooks because, oh my God, the defense. We couldn't do without the defense. I think we can do without the defense, to be honest. Whoa, salty, salty Dave. Dylan I'm Brooks. I'm salty watch- today. I apologize. <laughs> oh, you're good. I love it. Dylan Brooks, watch out, though. He's the one that needs to be worried about it. Um, I would counter by saying this. If you look at games like the Milwaukee game where he completely makes Chris Middleton a non factor, who has struggled. Um, it, it, as a whole since he's come back from injury anyway. But Dylan Brooks has that ability in him. We saw him do it against uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander when he was on a, a really hot run earlier in the season, shut him down. He did it to Zion when they played uh, shortly thereafter against the Pelicans as well. He has that ability. He also has the ability to have five fouls and, and do a lot of barking. And I actually loved the I, I love Clay Thompson as a player. I loved him getting in his face when he fell down. Like that, that those are the moments that make the NBA great. It sucks it happened to one of our dudes. But it looked like Dylan was a good enough sport about it. And yeah, he was jawing back and forth with um Draymond during the game. He's doing a lot of talking and not not a ton of playing. But I think that can be said for all these guys on this team uh, besides Ja yesterday. Uh, I think that there was a lot more talking going on than playing from the Grizzly side. Uh, Xavier, what, what do you think about that, having Dylan Brooks come off the bench? I mean, of course, yeah, defensive-wise, it wouldn't be a smart move because you would be too small. But I, I see what you mean because he's just such a loose cannon. You don't know what you're going to get from Dylan. So he could be possibly best as a six-man role. That's what J.R. Smith was so efficient at because he was a loose cannon. He liked taking those crazy shots. 
and whatnot. And guess what? Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. And you could just throw them on the bench and be like, no, we're not doing this tonight. But, I mean, I see what you mean, Dave, about being salty by Dylan. If anybody's salty, I'm pretty salty at Jaron, though, man, because mm-hmm. here he go. This is your chance to get revenge at Clay Thompson. This man called you a bum. You let a grown man call you a bum. And you come out and you play the worst game of your career, basically. You basically fouled out the game. He fouled out technically to me. There's no way that you play like this. You let a grown man call you a bum. You're supposed to be coming out here and dominating them. Like, it's, it was so it – was, it was shown. Like, he, it was mentally inside his head by there, by, by that game, showing that I don't know what he's doing. It's literally – like literally, when you come in, he he uh, he racked up two fouls within under a minute. I've never seen nothing like that in such an important game like this. And you have so many mix matches between the Warriors of size. You're such a versatile and great player, Jaron. You have to be smarter, and I know he can. He's he's provided so much for us, so I know that he could be a. Uh, um, a great factor for us and play great defense without fouling. But man, this was really the the game to showcase, especially when Clay Thompson was, you look at Clay Thompson's stats last night. He played as much as the talking that he, he, he had to say, he played really sort of terrible. He shot eight for 25. <laughs> he was good in the second half though. He did step it up. I, I will say well, yeah. he, str- he struggled in the first half though, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But he, yeah, he, he scored, he's, he had 24 points, but he shot eight from 25, man. This was your time to showcase. You could at least drop 20-plus points. He was wanting to go back in the quarter in the game against Phoenix and play the fourth quarter and, and get 20 points. This was supposed to be the game for you to drop 20, 30-plus points. This was That was it. And so it's for, we all have some frustrations for our players, but I do feel like that these guys are going to click and it's going to mesh and it's going to work. I still have faith and belief in this team. I just feel like such a job being that leader, like a lot of these guys would not be playing this way without John Morant. So I, I really feel that somehow like John Morant is going to come bring these guys down to earth as well with the mixture of Danny Green. And they're going to try to find a way to win. And hopefully we can, I still feel like we got to, we got to run in the chance to go to the finals. Uh, so, so one thing I saw this past week, it was interesting four game road trip, right? And I'm really trying to extrapolate it from the regular season to the playoffs. Because, again, we're going to make the playoffs. Fine. And we're, we're a nice team. You look – let's say we play the Clippers in round one, and they're, they're a nice team. So Kawhi Leonard is a lot – they have a pretty good defensive team. And I, we have talked about they play big boy basketball. Mm. And I think they are a, a pretty well-coached team. They're going to grind John Morant down. That's going to be a difficult five, six, seven-game series. Let's say we survive it. We go on. We have no answer for Joker. He, and people were like, I had friends who were like, well, you guys did okay against him. They only scored 13 points. He just scored 60 points. He was 13, 13, and 13. And it was like he was literally toying with us. Some of those passes he made were like right next to Larry Bird in the Hall of Fame and Magic Johnson. It was really, really impressive, I thought. The point total has nothing to do with it. Joker controlled the whole game. And what's frustrating about him and then Luca, let's say we had to play the match. We have no answer for those guys. Again, this is now a couple of years down the road. We still, as a coaching staff, still as a team, have no – I told you when we started this show, there are three guys in the league that I, I was scared of, Joker, Luka, and Steph Curry. And I, I just don't see a path for us to the finals, unable to slow down those guys, and on offense give Ja the help he's going to need. Because the, the worry I have, Xavier, honestly, is we're never going to get a player this good again. It's kind of like when the Cleveland Cavaliers drafted LeBron. I mean, John is a transcendent first ballot Hall of Fame. So it's like, I feel this panic. Like, if we don't win a title with John Morant, it's never going to happen. No, I, I mean, I completely understand what, you, what you're saying because uh, I've never, I never expected for Memphis to have this talent in the first place of John Morant. But you, I mean, you mentioned Luka and Nikola Jokic. Those are just one of a kind type players and truth be told no matter what type of defensive schemes what whoever you throw at them they're still going to get theirs and they're just going to find a way to increase their game and keep elevating and i understand yes it's a hard hard it's a it's a hard western conference it's i mean it's, you just got to be truthful about that whoever is going to make that run whether it be the grizzlies or whether whoever team comes out the West, they're going to come out with battle scars no matter what 
who, whoever they have around them, whoever the star is, they're going to play, a, be exhausted by the time they go to the finals. So I still feel like with Memphis, yes, I know what you mean. They do need some help with the scoring cast. Uh, Bang needs to step up. Jerry needs to step up. And some of these guys do need to make those three-point shots. But I just still feel like what we have here is, is a unit. And they have so much belief in what they're in. They're dialed in to the coach. They're dialed in with their leaders. They've been with each other for four-plus years. The main unit has been with each other for almost four, three-plus years. I just feel like a lot of those teams, they don't have that. I, I mean, the, yeah, they've been – there's some players that have been together for a while. But sometimes they be up and down with their coach. Sometimes they're too selfish. I don't even feel like somebody – there's even anyone on this team that's selfish. So I, that's why I just feel like that the, that the Grizzlies are in such an advantage over so many other teams, even though we've had this terrible loss. I still have faith in the Grizzlies. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just a couple more things I wanted to hit with you guys on the rotations real quick. Going back specifically to yesterday, did you guys um, at any point think that Bain needed to be pulled? I thought he was struggling um, a lot. And you look at the winning streak that went on when he was out, I was like, yeah, I don't know. I think that maybe he could have been pulled a lot sooner. Is that anything that you guys um, felt as well, Dave? When a guy comes back from a lower leg injury or, or any a foot problem, did you notice on his three-point shots, they looked a little short? Mm -hmm. I felt like every three-point shot hit the front of the rim. And that is partly just him getting his legs back. But, you know, he's getting his legs back, but he's hurting us too because he was 0 for 7, right, right for three-point range. And 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 they showed a statistic. I think the Warriors were like nine for their first 15. We were like one for eight or something. And it's a game. It's a game right there. The Warriors had a great flow to their offense. Guys were just knocking down shots, and and we weren't. And I just feel like, you know, Bain's going to get it together. He's going to be fine. I don't know if he's going to make the All Star game. He's a good player, maybe an All Star player. I don't think there's enough help. You know, Aldama. One thing I like about Aldama is he doesn't hesitate. Right. That's for sure. He kind of just gets it and fires, and I and I sort of like that about him. Whereas Conchar, it's like, oh God, I mean, our starting shooting guard doesn't shoot. Yeah, that's uh, never good as well. And I'll, I'll just clean up with something very similar. We've talked a lot about the Jaron Jackson fouling thing, and I think you're right, Dave. I think that Taylor Jenkins was trying to let Bain get his legs back under him. I could have thought maybe we could we could do that in a later date. Maybe save that for Phoenix. This was a national TV game. Um, maybe play your best guys or whoever's been playing the best that night. Um, but Jaron, the foul thing, and the same thing can be said for Dylan Brooks. Xavier, what's your thoughts on kind of maybe the rest of the regular season just letting Jaron foul himself out instead of this, he's in, he's out, he's in, he's out, he's in, he's out. I thought yesterday was a really good opportunity to let him try and play with five fouls and get himself out of it and get the reps of learning how to play with five fouls. Where do you stand on that? I do feel like that he just – because when you put them in and out, in and out, it's basically – it doesn't count as a foul out, but he fouls out. Exactly. It's, it, 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 that's what it feels like because he has no flow of the game. Offensively, he's already out the game because he – I mean, he's been, he's been out because he keeps fouling. But it's just still – like, I understand, though, like, you want to have – protect him because he's such a vital player but at the same time you want him out there because he's such a game changer and you play him with the five fouls it is still too too risky so i understand the big risk of that and then but you go back last year last playoffs earlier this year against the minnesota series when he was in foul trouble you had brandon clark to step up brandon clark was a no-show but at the same time they're two different players so I feel that you got to rock with Jaron. Go ahead and run him because you look at Memphis. We go look at the Memphis Tigers. I don't know if you know about DeAndre Williams. That guy, he wakes up with five thousand. <laughs> like, but Penny Hardaway gonna rock with him because That's he right. know how vital he is. So maybe Taylor Jenkins need to be phoning Penny Hardaway. Okay, like should I just go ahead and run with Jaron because? He's just too vital defensively. And as well, we don't know what he can bring offensively. I mean, we, we do know what he can bring offensively, but they, it will help a lot, especially like nights like last night. Yeah, I'm with you. It's a hard thing to balance. I think you need him out there for sure. The up and down, off the bench, in the game stuff definitely throws a guy out of his offensive uh, rhythm as well. It's tough to get that um, when, when you are up and down. And I think – 
The flip side of the coin is he plays, and Dylan's the same way. They play different when they have five fouls. They are way more passive. They're not making the aggressive defensive moves that they generally are because they're they're basketball players. They want to they want to keep playing the game. They they don't want to foul out either, and so they play differently when they have five fouls. So I think it's a hard thing to balance. But while we're still in the regular season, I would like to see Jaron out there getting some more minutes um, while he is in foul trouble, just to see if he can figure out how he can play better and be still effective while still being in foul trouble. I'll clean up with this. Um, before we move on to our next segment, we'll get to the winners and losers of Christmas Day. I asked both of you guys what you thought the ideal rotation number was. For me, I like an eight- to nine-man rotation. If you stick it with eight with this team, that means it's probably going to be Tyus and Brandon Clark are locks. That third spot is either Roddy or Zaire if he steps up, maybe Santi. But if you go any any further past that, like somebody out of those guys is going to be left out of the rotation. I wonder who it ends up going to be. Um, Because I am with you guys. I think Roddy showed some really good flashes. And I wonder once Danny Green comes back, if that will further push him out of the rotation or some other guys. Maybe we are done seeing Conchar um, and maybe won't see him in the playoffs. So something to watch out for, for sure. See how everybody is going to be fitting in with the rotations. But we'll leave that for now. And let's move on to our This League segment. All right, segment three, this league. It was a great day around the NBA. Uh, A lot of winners, a lot of losers, but not just on the court. We had a couple off the court as well. Um, Dave, give me your winners from Christmas Day. Winners from Christmas Day. I thought the Boston Celtics looked great. Kind of got back uh, to their winning ways. I thought they looked great. I thought the Warriors are a winner too because, to me, Boston and Golden State punched the rivals in the mouth, and um, they looked really, really good. I'll tell you, for me, the biggest winner on Christmas Day, though, was uh, the Joker from Denver. <laughs> my God. 15 and 15. And, and, and like I said, it was funny when my friends were like, wow, Memphis held him to 13. Like 13, I, he could have scored 113 against us. Uh, and I, the, the way he's playing right now, I just think it's interesting. He's going to win his third straight MVP if things keep going like this. Let's see if Denver even makes the Western Finals. It just blows my mind that he could win MVP award after MVP award and have like zero finals appearances. It's just, it's really crazy. You look back in the history of the NBA, the MVP winners were like winning titles every year. Uh, and so it's, it's interesting. He was fabulous. That was a really fun game, by the way. For the yeah. fans that, you know, didn't get so upset by our loss to actually watch the, the Suns and the Nuggets. Really, really fun game. And, and I'll tell you, the other winner I, I thought, Matt, was I thought Christian Wood in Dallas was a big winner for them. He had 30 points, eight rebounds, seven assists. And and Dallas is one of those teams that if Luka starts gaining trust in some of these other guys, he's playing at such a high level, a little ball dominant for my taste. But the Mavericks, uh, I, I think the Mavericks still have a run left in them. As good as Luka is, if they put some talent around him, and it's like, wow, Chris Wood at 30 points yesterday? I thought Dallas looked great. Yeah, I think Christian Wood's a really nice player. I will, I will say, I, we're we're gonna convince you that Denver is good one of these days. Dave. Yeah, one of these days, <laughs> NBA contender. Uh, they are number one in the West. Jokic has been unbelievable, and I still think very similar to Memphis, we have not seen the best uh, of that team yet. But absolutely, a huge winner um, was Jokic. I actually had in losers um, MVP vote uh, MVP award voters because it's going to be really tough for them to say that he wasn't the MVP this season just because they were tired of him. Uh, but yeah, he's been playing great. Xavier, uh, you got any winners for us? Same thing. Jokic, man, it's just ridiculous the level that he's playing at. I mean, if you really look at his stats, man, it's just like wilt like number stats. He's shooting 61% from the field goal. Man, and he's averaging 11 assists, basically a whole triple-double as a center. And who has ever done that before? Will Chamberlain has a good amount of, of triple-doubles, but he never averaged a triple-double before his whole career. I mean, any time in his career. And it's just like he keeps elevating his game. And the voter fatigue, you can't neglect this. You cannot just brush this support of, okay, well, he's won back-to-back MVPs. Is The MVP is a regular season award. And he's get doing regular season success. And it's really all because of him. We talk about, okay, well, if Denver isn't great defensively. Denver has been playing phenomenal defensively now. They locked those up the other night. Here they go. They played a great game. They made those stops against the Suns last night. You, They get Michael Porter Jr. back. Jamal Murray started to look a little bit better, man. Yeah, Denver is just looking a lot different. I mean, a lot 
more different now and dangerous, really. And I, like you said, Dave, I wouldn't want any part of Jokic and Luka. But sadly, they're in the Western Conference, and we're going to have to face one of the two, maybe even both. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's going to be scary come playoff time, but I think it's an interesting matchup. As you said, I, I really liked what Denver did in the offseason. They got a bunch of guys that filled defensive holes for them, uh, and they've looked a lot better on that end. Uh, I'll do my winners real quick. Uh, I have Boston as well. Uh, Dave touched on them. I thought that they kind of reestablished themselves as the best team in the NBA on Christmas Day. Uh, my second winner, statues. A guy that I brought up. A guy that I brought up on last week's show, Dirk Nowitzki. I jokingly said that his fadeaway should be the new NBA logo. He got a sick statue outside of the Mavericks Arena. Um, so good for him. I love Dirk. I always will. And that was a great statue. And my last winner, this one's a little bit obscure, but I'm sure you guys heard the story. My last winner coming out of Christmas Day, a great gift under the tree for the city of Houston and Houston Strip Club owners where they said Woj reported that James Harden may be coming back to Houston <laughs> in the offseason. So huge win for the city of Houston and their strip club owners. I wonder, um, I'll, I'll ask you guys real quick, if you were Houston, would you welcome back James Harden with that young core that you have, and it's a lot of my turn, your turn already. Would you welcome back, like, a, you know, an upper 30s age James Harden? He's looked really good since he's returned from injury. Dave, would you welcome back James Harden if you were Houston? No. Are we serious? He doesn't fit. He doesn't fit the timeline. I, I don't want any part of James Harden. I I wouldn't even want him on the Grizzlies. I, James Harden is not what, what Houston needs. Houston needs to lose every game and get win by Yamba. I'm with it. I, I didn't get it at all, um, but that was what Woj said. What, you, what about you, Xavier? What did you make of that? I had no – like, I was just, like, in so in disarray. Like, what in the world are you doing, James Harden? It's already bad enough Houston has with locker room problems now. You add James Harden to that mix. That's going to be terrible, man. Houston, yeah. we will have a problem. But what and so, you guys is like, where did this story come from? Like the Sixers are playing good basketball. He's healthy. They have a chance to win the East. And he, he's talking about a return to Houston, one of the worst teams in the league. Now, I like their young talent. They have some nice young talent. But where, where did he come out and actually say this? No. So what happened was Woj came on the NBA today or one of the half times or between one of the games, whenever it was. And he reported this story. That he was that James Harden was considering going back to Houston um, as a free agent this year. Then they asked Harden about it in the postgame interview for the Philly game, which they won, and he was awesome. In, and he was like, I don't know where you got that story. Well, we got it from Woj, who is pretty good at this stuff. And I think there was a little bit. He never denied the, the story at all. Um, so I think where there's some smoke, there's some fire there. What may have happened is that he said in confidence to one of his friends, hey, I wouldn't mind going back to Houston. It was a fun time, and maybe that got leaked to Woj in one way or another. But I'm with you, Philly, sneaky, maybe uh, making an appearance in the uh, NBA contenders rankings coming up for us soon. I like that team, and Harden's been good. And Embiid, his ceiling is as high as anybody. I think he, it's just a matter of him showing it on the floor. But let's move on to losers here. Dave, I'll start with you. Losers, uh, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s Defensive Player of the Year trophy. And Gone. Dylan Brooks's extension, I think they were both exposed on Christmas Day. And these are the games that people watch. Remember, we criticized Charles Barkley when he said, well, John doesn't. And we said, well, John, you know, Charles doesn't watch the Grizzlies. And that was fair. Okay, everyone watched yesterday. These are the games people remember, unfortunately or fortunately. This was not just one of 82. This was a, a, a marquee game, and, and, and I didn't like the way either of them showed out. In, in a really important game. But I'll tell you, that, honestly, that the most important loser yesterday was the NBA and LeBron James because he has been the best player in the NBA for, what, 20 years? Close to. He's 38 years old. He's been incredible. And he was amazing again yesterday. You can't have your best player playing for an irrelevant team. And the Lakers are now irrelevant. He was really, really good on Christmas. And this is what we're going to see from the Lakers going forward. He's going to be great, and they're going to lose. Can you believe the Pelicans get their pick, by the way? God, uh, what, a, what a steal. Oh, my God. But, you know, it is a loss for the NBA to have your best player. You can't have Patrick Mahomes playing, you know, for the for the Atlanta Falcons missing the playoffs kind of thing. You, it, it's just not a good thing for the NBA. You know what's happened in baseball? Mike Trout has been the best player in baseball for a long time, and the Angels never make the playoffs. And it hurts, it hurts Trout and it hurts the, 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 the league. 
um, switching there. But honestly, LeBron is as magnificent as ever, and he's becoming irrelevant on a team that's terrible. And I think it's a shame. I, I mean, maybe not Memphis, but you telling me the Lakers don't take calls for him? They, they could completely reboot their franchise with four picks, five young players. LeBron's not open to it to go to a contender. I believe due to his extension, he's not eligible to be traded at all this season. I could be oh. wrong, but I, I believe that is the case. It's not just a no-trade clause. It is it is something that's in his contract that he can't be traded this season, I think, is the problem there. On the flip side, I'm not against that for a guy like Anthony Davis for them. Um, he's been awesome when he's been on the floor, but he can't stay on the floor. And I don't know, maybe he, maybe you try and bring in some other guys to, that fit maybe a little bit better about uh, around LeBron. And I don't know. I, I look at LeBron now as a guy who's probably a lot more comfortable with his place in NBA history. I think for a long time it was him versus Jordan. And I think now that he has a couple titles in various places, um, I think he's okay with not with being I, I wouldn't say he wants to be non-competitive, which is what they are right now, like you said. But I think that personally that he's not super broken up about it. And I don't think he wants to leave L.A. He likes the other advantages of living there too much. But um Certainly a good loser. I had not uh, considered them at all. Xavier, what's uh, who's on your loser list for Christmas Day? Yeah, I got Jaron Jackson, man. You allow somebody to call you a bum once again, and you don't <laughs> fight back. Bro, you got to come on. You got to show some effort. You got to play the best basketball of your life right there. Klay Thompson really embarrassed you, and you played down to basically his word. So, yeah, Triple J on there. And then, of course, I got LeBron. LeBron was looking very pitiful at the bench because at one point they was up. I think they was up by like 17 points. And then, you know, the Mavericks, that's what they're going to do. They're going to live and die behind their three-point line. They start cushioning those three-point shots. And we, if things look very different, and LeBron had to go on the bench, and he was just shaking his head. I'm like, poor 38 LeBron, 38-year-old LeBron. They got him playing around, you know, a washed-up Patrick Beverly, Thomas Bryant, Lonnie Walker, and a bunch of G-League guys and Scottie Pippen's son. Come on, bro. Like <laughs> – I feel it, 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 you do start to feel bad for Brian, but I mean, at the end of the day, he decided to st to make that extension to LA, a two year, fifty million dollar extension. <laughs> we, you paying a bunch of money for an old man, and then like I, 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 I've been on the way. I feel like the Lakers just need to go ahead and trade Anthony Davis because at the end of the day, LeBron is going to retire. You're a guy that's supposed to basically pass the torch to Anthony Davis. He can't stay healthy and you have no draft picks so you need to take what you can right now and your best valuable option is anthony davis especially the season that he was having this year he would if it that weren't losing he would be top three in mvp mvp talks right now and defensive player but, of the year yeah and depoy yeah yeah but of course he's always injured and so you got to look towards the, the the future but the lakers ownership even going back since the 70s, it's just been terrible GM-wise and decision-wise. It's not – it's never been great. I don't know. Rob Palenka, yeah, he's going to net list as well because they, he's allowed a lot of trades to just blow past the Lakers, and they could have been made like a roster scratch at least to give them a, a little bit of competitiveness in them, but most definitely the Lakers. Yeah, and I think when you talk about those trades they could have made, like the, their most two valuable assets are those 27 and 29 picks. Uh, those are really the only ones that they can move. And I think the reason they haven't is because they are afraid LeBron James is either going to be retired or is not going to be a Laker at that point. And if you're Anthony Davis is your star player at that point and he's injured all the time, those draft picks could be super valuable to yourselves more than others. Uh, and I think that that plays a big factor in the reason why they have not made moves so far. Uh, I'm going to clean this up here with uh, my loser list from Christmas Day. As I said, I had uh, NBA MVP award voters because they're going to have a lot of tough questions to answer if they don't vote for Jokic for the third year in a row because he's playing unbelievably. And my last loser uh, from Christmas Day, honestly, guys, I hate Josh Shue. I think it's super – I think it's super mid, to be honest. It's really basic. Nothing that flashy. We're talking about the flashiest, the number one box office, the most exciting player in your league. And his shoe stinks, bro. It looks exactly like the LeBron 20s, if you've ever seen those. I just expected a lot more. Jaws, obviously, like 
not just his play style, but off the court, he also like has the ability to like make sayings go viral when he's doing post game interviews. Like he's a cool dude. He's awesome. He's got great style when he's rolling up to the arena, and his shoe stinks, in my opinion. What do you think, Xavier? <laughs> I, so, I, have, I have to laugh. I got. I got to say back because I wanted to put on my loser list Nike. Oh man, I, I like you know it was like this big jaw reveal moment in a commercial like. Then, like, the Grizzlies stink. They flop on Christmas. Ja has, like, no real highlight. They tried the one dunk and didn't, you know. He was he was individually very impressive, but there wasn't, like, that signature moment. And the team, like, was less than impressive. Yep. The shoe's not great. Like, I didn't think Nike got the, uh, uh, I don't know, all the uh, juice they wanted out of that squeeze, Xavier. What, what do you think about the shoe? I mean, you talk about debut-wise. Of course, it was a bad look losing, and then yeah, it's no flash and hot flashy highlights. But I actually sort of like the silhouette of those. Um, I mean, you look back at Nike debuts of the silhouettes of other players' shoes. Uh, one that just really popped out to me is you know the Kyrie's. Those were really tough. I mean, it's his first shoe. I'm pretty sure he didn't have much like talk behind like how he wants the shoe to be designed. Um, obviously, yes, it had some resemblance, a lot of resemblance to the LeBron 20s. But I like the ones that he wore last night compared to the ones that he showed on the commercial. The, the purple ones, they looked a lot better. I like their color scheme. Um, but I, I mean, I like it. And then the, it ha actually has a reasonable price to me, 110 bucks. So I know I'm a cop song at the end of the day. <laughs> they they pretty straight to me. They look like they light and comfortable. I haven't had a good hooping shoe. It's been a long minute since I had a good hooping shoe. Because I go back from the days of, of the KD6s, Kobe 8s, LeBron 9s, 10s, and 11s. I, I, can, I, can, I, can, I got like a whole sneaker haul in my, in my closet of player shoes. But I know what you mean, though. Like somebody that's flashy, I feel like they should have his own style behind it. Because you know, you look at Allen Iverson's. Allen Iverson's is just like a whole different wave compared to any other shoe in Reebok. And LeBron's and Nike, like you look at LeBron's shoes and Kobe's shoes and Nike, they have their own direct style behind it, even with their debuts. But, I mean, Jaws didn't. And it sort of felt like, okay, a lot of people did. We did know that Jaws' shoe was on the way. But at the same time, it just sort of felt like, okay, he's the replacement guy for the Kyrie's. 100%. And that's the big point I wanted to make. That's what this is. That's You point out the price point. That's exactly where Kyrie's were priced before they obviously ended their deal with him. And I feel like it was rushed. And you say you don't think Ja had much say in it. I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he didn't. But if he didn't, that was a big misstep by Nike. They should be 99% designed by Ja and 1% designed by a shoe designer. Like, he has his own style. He's obviously a very cool guy with a, a huge following around the entire league and everybody in Memphis, when they heard the announcement that Ja was getting his own shoe, everybody said they were going to get a pair. And I thought they were going to be great. I thought it was going to be some kind of mix between a Kobe, which he has always rocked in the past and like a Paul George uh, kind of shoe. That's what I was kind of expecting. And I really like both of those. And, and um, yeah, it just wasn't that, but he's going to get more. He's going to have some other opportunities to do it for sure. Um, do you like his logo? Do you like the, 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 the logo looks like a spear point or something? Yeah, the logo pretty tough. The logo is great. It's awesome. I Yeah, it's just the, the shoe itself didn't do it for me um, with all the hype that was going into it. And as you said, Dave, yeah, the, the loss also kind of <laughs> took some of the shine away from it too. Um, so, yeah, that was that was my last loser for the Christmas day. I think, guys, let's, let's just move on from Christmas. Let's put it all behind us. Um, it was not a great uh, game from the Grizzlies. So, I think as the calendar rolls on, we're going to roll on as well, and let's finish up with some New Year's resolutions. All right, last segment of the day, guys. Uh, we're going to clean up with some New Year's resolutions here. Um, Xavier, I'll start with you. New Year's resolutions. Uh, New Year's resolutions, Grizzlies-wise, I would just want to remind myself of how young this team is. We're still competitive at the moment. We're still high on this team. And it's a lot of it, it's a lot of ins and outs with this team. But this is still a very young team competing, competing at a, a early state. We're very ahead of schedule, and I think a lot of people forget about that. I know a lot of people feel like it's no excuse. It's no excuse. We need to capitalize right now. But I'll be honest, I'm 23 years old. I feel like I don't even have my life together. So 
it's only I can only imagine how they feel playing professional basketball. So it, it's it's real. It's it's as fans we forget about that. Like we 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 want to take away our real world stuff with sports and especially a fascinating and young flying team as the Grizzlies. We got to remember like these guys are just young kids. It, 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 I mean, they just started their lives. And I know they're playing basketball. They're getting play, paid millions. But still, they still have a lot of fun. They still can make some bad decisions. And I feel like they made a bad decision talking all that noise to Golden State because they got humbled. But at the end of the day, I want to continue remembering, like, this is a young, young team. And I still feel like we can capitalize on this. We got a long ways to go with this core. Yeah, it's a good reminder. It's still a young team who's improving uh, every day, every game. Uh, and sometimes you don't get the best out of the young people. I'm with you there, Xavier. Uh, I'm the same age as some of these dudes, and I couldn't be, I couldn't handle that pressure and that stress either. Uh, but uh, Dave, I'll move on to you. Uh, some New Year's resolutions you got? I had two resolutions for uh, the Grizzly organization. The first was for Coach Jenkins. I think he should have a resolution. That he's going to lock in some rotations that he's going to then use. We talked about earlier uh, what, what the playoff rotations look like. I think that as we get into January and February, we have to start looking at what the roles of the players specifically are going to be. And for guys like Conchar, who, I again, you know, is a nice kid or whatever, he's just not producing. How long are we going to give Zaire? You know, there has to be some coaching involved here. We has to make some pretty tough decisions. So my resolution of if I was Coach Jenkins was by the time we get to the playoffs, I'm going to know who my best eight are, and I'm going to lock in on that, and, and I, I'm going I'm to ride these guys. Um, I, I think right now it's a little bit all over the place. We talked about Roddy earlier. He needs more minutes. The other resolution I had, Matt, was I think for, for our, our, our president of basketball operations, Zach Lyman, I think that we don't know how long Jaws' window is. We just don't know. There's been players before that we think it's going to last 10 years they get hurt or you know the league adjusts, whatever the case may be. And, and I think he's got to push all the chips to the middle. I, I think it's we have a, a clean cap sheet. We have draft picks. We have a young, tradable talents. There's a reason. I firmly believe in my heart that Dylan Brooks has not been extended yet. Danny Green's contract is just sitting there. I, I just – I'm not comfortable – well, you know, next – I'm not comfortable looking at next year. I think the West is open. And my resolution, if I was Zach Lyman, is I'm going to maximize every single season that John Morant is an all-star level player to win a championship. And anything less than that is not acceptable. Now, my own personal resolution, you know, we talk about the pesky 10 pounds, that, you know, uh, that's a different uh, conversation. But Yeah, I love it. Uh, yeah, I turn, 50 ne- I turn 50 next year, by the way. So, you know, that we'll have a different conversation next year. on <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Uh, everybody going to be back in the gym with their New Year's resolutions as well. Uh, I'm with you. I think the Ja Morant window is something special, something that doesn't happen very often. The Grizzlies got extremely lucky in that lottery to end up with that second pick and a guy like Zion in front of him so that a guy like Ja can fall to Memphis because that's really the only way that teams like Memphis can get players like that is through the draft, and they got extremely lucky. Um, and I'm with you. Over the next two years, I don't know that it has to be by this trade deadline. But I'm with you. Over the next two years, the West is wide open, and it's absolutely time to push all your chips in the middle. And I think uh, we should see that at some point, either at uh, this trade deadline or during the summer. Uh, I'll finish up here with uh, my two resolutions for the Grizzlies as well. Touched on a lot on this show, but uh, just that Jaron can learn to play with either fouling less or learning to play with more fouls, one or the other. He's got to figure it out. Uh, it's very similar to um, some people's uh, criticism of, D- of Dylan Brooks that he has to either take less shots or make more of them, right? Like you got to figure out one way or the other how to improve. And then my last uh, resolution for us for the Grizzlies new year, let's not forget, I know he's been bad, but Zaire Williams was really good only in the second half of last season and turned out to be a really important player for this Grizzlies team. He struggled at the beginning of last season uh, as well in his rookie year and really didn't turn it on until the second half of the season. I think he has the potential to do that again. I still think that he's a big part of this roster moving forward, and I think he will be this season. We'll see it uh, in the second half and in the playoffs. So Zaire to have a really good second half is my last New Year's resolution, guys. Um, Great show. Let's get on out of here. Dave, plug your Twitter and everything else you got. You can find me on Twitter at DLB19338. I do just remember one other resolution. I'm not going to call Xavier Zaire at all. I think (laughs) – 
<laughs> I'm going to have to go back while I'm editing. I'm pretty sure I dropped one in there. I don't know, but I, I felt like I did for a second. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a good that, resolution, though. You know, like everyone wants to, like, go to the gym in January. That's a good resolution because it's actually, like, achievable. Yeah, get one of our get our co-hosts and our friend's yeah, name, yeah. right? Yeah, that's, that's a good. That's and a good. It says it on the screen. That's the best part. It says it says it, Zaire's iPad. Like I can't even read. Yeah, it's a good <laughs> it's a good resolution to have. Uh, Xavier, plug the TikTok, plug the Twitter for us. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Zaytom Takes, and then you can find more basketball content, a little bit more in depth, unbiased content at underscore xzay on my TikTok. Awesome. Yeah, check all that out. Uh, look for those clips of the Core 4 Podcast as well. You can follow the Core 4 Podcast on Twitter at the Core 4 Podcast. You can follow me at Matt H. Gill, and you can follow the Grizzly Bear Blues at SBN Grizzlies on Twitter as well for all that written content, all of those game recaps and game notes. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. Stolen by Marin. Hammer. Nail. Coffin. This baby is over.